You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Today is also a wonderful, wonderful uh, day in the, the life of the church, uh, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, and uh, we are just delighted to have you here. And I'm also very delighted uh, to have our guest speaker with us today. He's someone who, he was here before I was here. Uh, in fact, Bonnie and Thor Kohlberg, back in 1987, uh, just felt the call of God to start a, a vineyard church in their home in Evans. And so back in 1987, they obeyed God to do that. And, uh, and they planted this church uh, it's been a, just a, an incredible adventure. Knowing Thorne Bonnie is to know adventure in following Jesus in, the, in, in just the most incredible kinds of ways. Uh, we got connected with them in 1990. I uh, had the privilege of coming on staff with them in 95, and just a, a great friendship, partnership, uh, and a tremendous mentor. And uh, I grew up in, the, in a Pentecostal church, so I was aware of the Holy Spirit, but I got to say, I, I so appreciate uh, the vineyard values that Thor uh, fully embraced and, and really fleshed out in such a wonderful way in showing how the Holy Spirit is, is not just for a Sunday morning. It's not just for some sort of church event, but it is uh, empowerment, guidance, uh, healing, and transformation for our whole lives. And, and he continues to live that out. He, uh, in 2003, he and Bonnie felt led to go to Huntersville, North Carolina, to plant another vineyard church there, which they have done. He has since passed on the leadership of that church to a, a wonderful couple, and they're doing really well. Uh, Thor is just following his passion and ultimately the Holy Spirit as he goes internationally to do what he's done domestically for so many years, uh, to, to raise up leaders uh, to bless them, to encourage them, to equip them to do the ministry of Jesus. And I stand here today as someone that, that he certainly invested in. And last Sunday, if you were here, and I talked about speaking hope into people, part of that, the I see in you conversations, asking the Holy Spirit to show you uh, why God created someone. Uh, Thor's a master at that. And it's something that he, he did many, many years ago, continues to do. Uh, and it's certainly touched my life and blessed my life and has affected my trajectory and our family's trajectory. And I'm just delighted to have him here today to come and to share with us. Let us give a really rousing uh, round of applause to the founding pastor of Vineyard Church of Augusta, Thor Kohlberg. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> See if I can get up on stage. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I got to check my resume and see if that's all true. <laughs> uh, man, it's good to be with you guys. Um, it's been uh, a few years, I think, since Bonnie and I left. Uh, 18, 17, I, I'm not sure how many. Uh, some of you folks said, Thor, you, you, you hadn't aged a bit. And I guess my response is, you're not in my body. Uh, <laughs> and I used to be 5'10 and a half. Now I'm 5'10. Some of you older folks get that. Um, so uh, anyway, I was thinking about, okay, how do I, I... I got home three days ago, four days ago from El Salvador in Costa Rica. Uh, after about, I think, 10, 12 days there. And uh, so Reese had asked me to preach, and I hadn't started on my sermon until I got home. And uh, uh, so I was thinking, how, how, do I, how do I start this thing? You know, that's always 
the difficult thing for us pastors. How do we start? Once we start, you can't stop us. But getting started is, is always the, uh, the issue. And I, I, I had time to think about uh, this church, uh, friends in this church, the people who were here who have since gone on to different ministries uh, throughout the world, quite frankly. Uh, and then the people that were here to help build this church, uh, still here. Uh, it's, just, uh, it's just incredible what God has done. And, uh, you know, I used to say, we're building for people that are coming in the future. Because we had three building programs while I was here. And, and so we're building for people who are coming in the future. And the coolest thing about being back here is, this is the future. And, and I want, there's a lot of folks that, uh, you know, paid a price for all of us, me too, uh, to be able to sit in this building, uh, experience God, and uh, it's just really something. I remember when we finished our first building, it was half this, I forget, what, yeah, it's that half, right down here, 7,000 square feet, and uh, a vineyard pastor, Danny Stain, came down and from Columbia, and he says, Thor, this, you've really done a great job here. And I said, no, no, Danny, I he did it. And Danny said something that I will always remember. He said, yeah, he did it, but, but you supplied the blood, the sweat, and the tears. I said, yeah, <laughs> we did, didn't we? <laughs> and, and some of you early folks that are still here, we did. We supplied the blood, the sweat, and the tears, and, uh, but every second of it was, was worthwhile. It was just, just incredible. So um, I guess I'm tasked with hope and the power of the Holy Spirit today, being Pentecost. That's what Reese ran by me. And uh, uh, so I want to I talk a little bit about that. Uh, I was 36, 38. I'm 71, and I forget a lot now. I, I was 38 years old pastoring a denominational church, <clears throat> growing by leaps and bounds, uh, but I was totally frustrated. Why? Well, because I felt like I was a firefighter putting fires out all over my church, committees and dissension that would rise up in committee meetings. We want a red carpet. No, we need a blue carpet. I go, what? <laughs> you know, and, and, and it was just kind of strange. And I, I said to myself, if this is the church, I'm not interested. I have better things to do with my life. Uh, there, there had to be more to relationship with Jesus Christ than just being a good church person. How do I connect with the power of God? How do I do that? How does my life make a difference? I mean, I mean a real difference, not in the great by and by, but how does my life make a difference right now? I want to count for God. Um, and then, of course, the ultimate question, where is the here and now of the kingdom of God? The already, not yet. You, you get that. Where is the already of the kingdom of God? So it was 1986, and I had just spent a week at the uh, vineyard in Anaheim, I think there were around 2,000 people there, evangelicals and 
there was an electric presence in the air. There was this, this anticipation as you walked into the door of this, this massive warehouse, this great expectation in the air. Carl Tuttle, if you might be familiar with that name, stood up, started to lead worship. John Wimber was on the piano, and it was something else. And some of you know this song. More, I won't sing it. <laughs> I, I also realize that when you're 71, your voice ain't what it used to be. <laughs> uh, more love, more power, more of you in my life. Some of you recognize that song. And there was a simple, beautiful, intimate thing going on. Now, I've been a pastor for 13 years in a denominational church, and frankly, if I'm very honest with you, this was the, my, my first real taste of intimacy with God in a church experience, in a church experience. I had a taste personally, but, but in a church experience where everybody anticipated that God was going to come, and he did come. He showed up. His presence filled the air. It was incredible. Um, you know, you could have asked me, do you worship God on Sundays? in your church? And, and I would say, yeah, we do. I, I think John, I think I'm getting this part from John Wimber, and, and you, then you say, well, do you really worship? And uh, I say, yeah, we really worship. No, no. Do you really worship God during your church worship celebration? And the thought occurred to me, uh, no, not really. Um, I watch the choir worship, or in some churches I watch the pastor worship, but no, we don't really have this intimate thing going on. And I wanted more. And what went on in Anaheim was this, this intimate, I'd say explosive worship where the power of God just fell on the room in a subtle sort of way, but you felt it, you recognized it, it manifested but it was low-key, balanced, beautiful, and that's what I wanted for my church. That's the kind of church I wanted to build where people could come and people could experience Jesus Christ alive. And it was out in Anaheim that God spoke to uh, me about my future, and I came home, and Bonnie and I prayed, talked about it, and we felt it was time to leave the security of the denominational church and plant a vineyard, and... 30-plus years later, that's a long time, seems like yesterday, by God's grace, it's been a pretty good ride. Pretty good ride. Frankly, it's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. You know, God has, I mean, I don't want to sound arrogant, and I don't want to brag because it's all him. I mean, I just show up, you know. I just show up, and God moves. But it's... I've had privilege of training over 3,000 church planters in 12 countries. Uh, despite civil war, despite revolution, despite gangs, terrorists, and then I added tourists. <laughs> you got to watch out for those tourists. They're incredible. But what a ride. Um, and, and I want to thank you guys as a church because you, you throw some support my way. I, I, I want to thank you for making what Bonnie and I do possible. Uh, through your financial support and certainly your prayers. Um, we really appreciate it. So here's my question for you this morning. 
What's in the core of your being that you've got to see happen in your life? Now, I'm not talking about your bucket list. <laughs> Forget your bucket list, at least for right now. What is it? What do you, how do you, I've got to make a difference. I've got to leave my mark on the world for Jesus Christ. If money is no object, what would you do? And then I might ask you, because God always pays for what he births, doesn't he? I might ask you, why aren't you doing it? We're burning daylight. Time is moving on. Oh, trust me, it's moving on fast. What is it for you? What is it for you to, to make a difference that will last throughout eternity? Well, I, I would say <coughs> that if you want to do something like that, and, and I believe you do, I would say that one of the very important aspects of that is it begins with intimacy with God. So let's talk intimacy, let's talk hope, let's talk the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I'd love for each of us to really fully understand is that worship or intimacy with God is what you and I were made for. In the Greek, the Greek word for worship is to kiss and bow down. Now that's Oh, yeah, thank you. I was just thinking about that. Thank you. Four cups of coffee later. And I'm thirsty. Thank you very much. Uh, kiss and bow down is a, a pretty intimate thing when you, when you start to think about it. Worship is one of the most important things that we can do this side of heaven. The Westminster Catechism says man is made to worship God. So when I planted the vineyard, when Bonnie and I planted it, along with others uh, who are still friends, uh, when we planted the Augusta Vineyard in 1986, worship is what we did. I mean, it's all we did. We worshiped on Sunday morning celebrations. We worshiped at leadership meetings. We worshiped in our small groups. We worshiped in our own secret history with God. It's what we did all the time. I would get calls, hey, Thor, we're going to be worshiping at the lake tonight. You want to come? You know, and I'd, sometimes I said yes, sometimes I said no, I can't. Uh, but vineyard worship, it grew out of brokenness. I mean, the roots of vineyard worship go back to when a small group of hurting, broken people just sat in the living room and they worshiped God. They sang very simple songs, guitar tunes, tears. And it's the same brokenness that ushers in our worship today. That's where the, the raw hunger of God is birthed. Yeah, in brokenness. Brokenness. Brokenness is not a bad thing. In brokenness, you get to the point in your life where there's no energy to put on a show anymore. Why? I don't have the energy for it. I'm broken. I'm desperately needy. There's, there's no need to look good for God because we know we're not good, right? And so we come to meet God as desperately needy people. And if we don't have him, if we don't experience him, if we don't know him, his, his being, his mercy, his forgiveness, we have nothing at all. There's just nothing to live for. So vineyard worship was and is birthed out of a desperate cry of the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Bring the kingdom, Lord. But not just here, but in my life. Bring it. And uh, that's where the raw hunger 
for God is birthed in brokenness. And it grows out of a grasp of what the kingdom of God is all about. The kingdom of God, as you well know, you're in the vineyard, is more than just a religious idea. It's an event. It's an event that we experience. The reality of the rule and the reign of God coming to us. We're going under it. It's a divine breaking in of the kingdom rule of God that reveals to us who he really is. And it destroys the work of the enemy in our lives, in the world around us, wherever that breakthrough is happening. Bring it, Lord, bring it. Bring it in my life. Bring it in your life. Bring it in our church. Bring it in our businesses. Bring it into our leisure time. Worship, then, is freely offering our love to God in response to the blessings of the kingdom of God. So when we come together to worship together, we come with the expectation of the availability of God to us here and now. And that's where the electric presence and anticipation comes from. God is showing up when we worship, and we look forward to it. Now, I don't, know, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. I really don't. But what was on, and don't raise your hand, but, but what was on your mind this morning when you were on your way to church, to the worship celebration? Did you come prepared to worship? Did you come with the expectation that God's going to show up at the vineyard and, and it's going to make a difference, not just in my life, but the life of others? Did you come that way? Did you come to experience the kingdom of God? Okay, let's stop for a minute, put the brakes on. Oh, I just a joke just flew into my mind, but I don't have time. Mary Margaret just said, no, please. <clears throat> so I'll leave that joke on the floor for right now. You're welcome. You're welcome. She, she knows my jokes. Um, okay, so let's see what the scriptures say about intimacy with God and how it makes a difference in our lives. Paul in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says this, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy, now remember God has reached out into our neighborhood, he's moved in, he's touched us with his mercy, Jesus Christ, the, the flesh of action, compassion, and forgiveness has moved in. So therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your whole selves, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. The central tenet of the kingdom of God is what? Self-surrender. I lay down my agenda. I pick up his agenda. Worship is the practical expression of self-surrender. Laying down my agenda, picking up his, you're God, I'm not, right? As the rule of God breaks into our hearts, we respond through loving surrender. All of our living, now let me, all of our living, how we handle relationships, how we conduct business, how we conduct ourselves on the job, our creation of art, our enjoying our hobbies and our playtime, how we use things and how we give things away, how we treasure and care for God's green earth, all of that, everything and more, it all becomes a beautiful act of worship to please our king. So in view of God's mercy, get it? This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your reasonable, whatever else you can be expected to do because God is God, act of worship. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So because we're welcoming God into our celebrations, our small groups, our leadership meetings, our home, our secret history with Jesus, out of this surrender, out of this brokenness, this intimacy with the king, his kingdom breaks in because we're welcoming him. That's all. God's not playing hard to get. Truth is, he can't wait for an invitation. And with the breakthrough of the kingdom comes the entire ministry of Jesus Christ. It's immediately available to us right here, right now, today, in this place. And we're touched by his transforming compassion, his love, his power, his forgiveness. It's like being broken to be made whole. Broken to be healed. Wounded healers, you understand that. Broken to be forgiven. We are, in effect, wounded healers, bringing salvation, wholeness to others. We are kingdom bringers. Paul makes an all-important point. His appeal is that we should refuse to let this present age squeeze us into its mold. We should refuse to allow it to dictate to us how we think or what we think. We should refuse to allow it to dictate to us what we can and can't believe. Instead, we're to be transformed. And we have to work out, don't we, what sort of people we should be. And the basis for this is not, not, is not what the surrounding culture expects of us, but what God in his mercy has done for us. Now, I don't know if this really fits well in here, but like I said, I only had three days. But I want to quote N.T. Wright. This is, I'm just an N.T. Wright groupie. The temple was the intersection between heaven and earth. You get that? But now the place of intersection is Jesus himself. He replaced the temple. Who is equally at home in either or both of the halves of God's creation. Heaven and earth are now joined in the person, the risen body of Jesus himself. Okay, now follow me. This really gets cool. The one who sits in heaven is the one who rules on earth. He therefore sends his followers equipped by his spirit to celebrate his uh, sovereignty. Big word. I have trouble pronouncing big words. You should see me do Old Testament names. (laughs) Which just goes to show, guys, anybody can do this job. Okay? I mean, you know, Hezekiah... You know, it was a day I couldn't pronounce Hezekiah. I just called him, hey, Hez, (laughs) you you know, you could do this. Okay, any one of you could be a church planter. So don't let, you know, name calling mess you up. So uh, anyhow, okay, now we got to go back because I wasted time on that. The one who sits in heaven is the one who rules on earth. He therefore sends his followers equipped by his spirit to celebrate his sovereignty over the world and make it a reality through the founding of communities rescued by his love, renewed by his power, and loyal to his name. I go on. Jesus' followers, equipped with his spirit, are to become in themselves, individually and together, little walking temples, rescued themselves from sin through Jesus' death, and with the living presence of God going with them and in them. And it all begins with worship.
The raw hunger for God is birthed in brokenness. We've all been, we, we just lived through a year and two months, pandemics. Uh, I just got back from, as you know, El Salvador and Costa Rica. Uh, my job there was not so much train, but to encourage. These guys have taken a beating. Uh, suicides, depression, pastors are depressed. Their whole church, they're down to four people, some of the churches, and they had way more. And uh, they've just taken a financial beating, a spiritual beating, and it's just been, been tough on them. Uh, maybe, maybe some of you are feeling broken today. You know, it's been a year, two months. Loneliness? I, I don't know. But let me encourage you. Simply relax. Dial down. Yield to what God is doing within you and become vulnerable by giving yourself to God. Now, for some of you, this is going to take a little bit of time. And the beautiful thing about the vineyard, we always allow for that. We always want to give time for God to work. Some of you, um, it's going to be like, boom, you dial down, boom, boom. It just happens for you. That's, that's awesome. Uh, but there's never any pressure. Because isn't that the way Jesus does it? You know, he deals with each of us individually, and what we need is there when we need it, if we grab hold of it. There are some great choirs in Charlotte, and that's where I'm from, and in Augusta. All around us, there's some great worship bands in so many churches now. When we planted this church, I mean, if you had drums, it was of the devil. (laughs) You know, it's like, dude, hide the drums, (laughs) you know. Uh, it, it, it's, it, for me, I'm just speaking for me, it, it, it's no longer enough for me to watch others worship. I have absolutely been ruined by God. I want to experience worship myself. I want an atmosphere of worship where countless others can experience that intimacy with God, where broken and desperate people can come and find intimacy with God, can find an experience with God. And I want it because the Father wants it for us. Jesus wants it for us. He's so absolutely head over and tails in love with you. He loves you. Imagine, if you will, a church filled with broken people where worship is the main event. You don't have to think too far away because it happened this morning. It's the highest priority as a community. It becomes the fitting and right response to the kingdom. Imagine a church where worship is not the warm-up for the congregation for the pastor's message or the way to soften people up for the offering, you know, that one. It's the main event. It's why we're here. It's why we exist. It's the most important thing we do. Imagine a church, simple, honest, in the moment, face-to-face with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting. No superstars, no superstars, except Jesus Christ, and we gather to honor him. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Imagine a church where the raw hunger for God is birthed in brokenness. It's a church where God breaks in and visits. It's a church where the kingdom of God comes on earth as it is in heaven with the expectation that when the kingdom of God comes, the Spirit of God ministers, the Spirit of God manifests and ministers to us. 
Imagine a church where we see the works of the kingdom, healing, people being set free, mercy and forgiveness, economic lift to the poor, relationship with God being established. Whoa, that's the church you're coming to. That's the church we want to build. So I just want to close in a story. I was in uh, Uganda uh, before, before everything was locked down. I think it was maybe a year before. And um, I, uh, Jason Wallace, who travels with me, he's in my church in Augusta since we moved to Myrtle Beach, but he still travels with me. We always travel together. And um, he's, he's gotten me out of a few tough spots. I mean, we, we land in the wrong cities over in Africa and go, what do we do now? You know. Who got those reservations? Oh, I did. <laughs> you know. Uh, well, how do we get to the right city? Well, you, you, you can rent a car, but it's 13 hours through the mountains. Okay, that's out. How do we get a plane ticket? Well, you can't. There's no brokers here. Oh, no. Come on. A little airport. You know, a little African airport. Nothing there. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, another story. We, we, we finally got to that city, but um, I digress. Um, there I go again, you see. Okay. Um, so we're ushered in. It's Sunday morning. I get to preach rather than, than just teach. I had taught previously all week long, actually for two weeks, to church planters, pastors. We're ushered in. And I don't know what it is about African churches. They, they really like the music loud. I mean, loud. And so their speakers would be, you know, right there, on not a bass speaker. It'd be the whole shebang. Then there'd be another right there. And the guest of honor was me. And so the pastor ushers me in, and he sits me right in front of the speaker. You know, that's the honor, that's where you put the patent, the speaker, you know, it's an honorable place. My ears are being blown out, they're starting to ring. I have very sensitive ears. And, uh, and, and so I moved. Halfway through, I couldn't take it any longer. I said, I have got to move to the back. So I just sort of disappeared. I went to the back of the church. There probably 300 people. It's not a ministerial count. That's an actual count. And um, <clears throat> there are probably about 300 people there. And uh, I'm worshiping in the back. It's a lot better for the years. And I noticed this, this really cute little kid, probably about eight, nine years old, and uh, grab my camera, click, and the kid gets up. And he begins to do this. I mean, he was dancing in the Lord, in the spirit. It was beautiful. I, you know, I've seen people dance in church before. It's, it's cool. Um, but this kid was fluid. This kid was moving with God's spirit. An eight, nine-year-old kid. And wow, I, I thought, that's, that's amazing. That kid knows how to worship. And, and then I spotted against that wall... I spotted four teenage boys, probably 16, 17 years old. And these guys are just worshiping Jesus. And I go, man, that's really cool. And it's like God just pointed both out to me. Well, they called my name. They introduced me. I went up. I I spoke. And um, then, uh, you know, standard procedure, we come Holy Spirit. We had a ministry time. And uh, uh, I had a word of knowledge at least I thought I did, and I, I gave it. I said, I, I think there's a number of folks here who have uh, hearing issues in your ears. Uh, would you guys come forward? And we had about 
12, 15 people come forward. And so, uh, and then the Lord spoke to me. There's four guys against the wall. Yeah, bring them up. So, hey, hey guys, come on up. And uh, so they came up. Uh, and so I prayed for the first person. And the uh, person said they were healed. I said, cool. And then I grabbed one of the boys. I said, come here. You're going to pray for the next person. Just do what I did. He looks at me. Just do what I did. I had an interpreter, by the way. And uh, uh, so he did. Come Holy Spirit. I kind of coached him through it. And then we asked the person after he prayed, how is it? And they said they were healed. I said, it's cool. Okay. Young man, the second boy, come on. And I did this through all four guys. And pretty soon, I just left them alone praying. Every one of those people got healed. So they said. I, I'm just going on what they said. Um, maybe, maybe not, but they said they were. And then it was going really good, I guess. And so they brought up this nine-year-old boy, another nine-year-old boy, not, not my buddy in the back. And they said, he's deaf and dumb. He's been uh, deaf from day one. He's born that way. Would you pray for him? I said, yeah. And I think I grabbed somebody else that, said they were healed, and I, you know, I, I always like to bring people into it. This is participation. Everybody gets to play. We want to train people how to pray. It's not all about the Western preacher up front. We want to leave them doing it, right? And so, um, so we prayed. And then, then I said to his pastor, I said, how do we know if he can hear? Because he can't speak. He said, uh, he had his grandmother call his name from behind him, turns around. And people were enthralled by it. 50 people rushed forward just to see it. And it was really incredible. And so that young man heard very clearly, he was hearing, and then I got to teach him his first word, Yeshua, Jesus, Yeshua. It took him a little while to say it, because, I mean, he, he hadn't spoke before because he couldn't hear. And now he could hear, and the first word that he learned was Yeshua. And then, I mean, things are really, the Spirit of God's just moving throughout the building. And so then they bring up, they bring up the kid in the back, the one I took the picture of, the one doing fluid dancing. They bring him up. And I said, that's my buddy. What's wrong with him? And they said, he has cancer. I said, what? And I, they said, in his leg. I said, well, roll up his pant leg. He had jeans on. I said, roll up his pant leg and let's see that. He had a bone. His shin bone was sticking out of his skin that far. It had exploded. And you, I won't go into the gory details. But it was, um, I said, guys, that's not cancer. He's infected, and he's so infected that that bone got infected, and it exploded, and it broke, and the end of it sticking out of his leg. How long has he been like this? Over a year. Has anybody brought him to a clinic? We don't have any clinics out here. We're really out in the bush. I said, Who, where's his parents? Uh, he's an orphan. Who takes care of him? 
I said, guys, that kid is not going to die on my watch. I said, I don't care what it costs. Get him to the hospital. I'll find the money. And I called Bonnie. She found the money in our church. They sent the money. We got him to the hospital. The doctors were so impressed that Westerners were willing to help that they cut their price, operated on him. And uh, the kid's name is Ambrose. He is uh, uh, running around riding bikes like a normal kid today. And uh, so it's, it's, just, it's just incredible what God will do. Um, oh, I got to throw this in. And after it was all over, those four boys, they, they were just glowing. I mean, this is their first encounter. And they were praying on people, and people were getting healed. I mean, it, it, they were just going. I watched them walk off into the sunset, like, kind of like the Lone Ranger. Who was that masked man? You know? It's like, I mean, these guys will never, ever be the same again. And uh, so it's out of intimacy with God that you'll discover what you were created for. You'll discover that you, yes, you, were created to make a difference. You'll discover that you were born for such a time as this, as this. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty shocking, I know. But you and I were born for such a time as this. You'll discover hope and the power of the Holy Spirit.